Hello and welcome. My name is Kisle and you are listening to It Depends, my podcast on software engineering and technical leadership. Today, we're going to discuss one of the emerging trends in the technology world, edge computing. The contents of today's episode are originally written by Maz Humayu, who is a good friend and a senior engineer in the Amazon Luna team where he's working on game streaming technologies. In his free time, he enjoys reading about SaaS platforms and new trends in software development. You would be hard-pressed to find an industry the internet has not yet transformed. Banking, health, publishing, entertainment, the list goes on. And we are all better off for it. Internet-enabled services are faster, cheaper, and generally more reliable. The only thing that, that has outpaced the technological progress of the internet is our expectations of it. So you want that YouTube video to stream in 4K without buffering, no pixelation, and crystal clear audio quality? Why yes, I'll have that. Thank you very much. The internet has gone through massive changes to keep up with the growing demands. A decade ago, companies had to maintain network infrastructure and fund an IT department to keep everything working smoothly. All this changed with cloud computing. Today, all you need is a great idea and an AWS account to create a product slash website that's globally available and almost infinitely scalable. So what do we expect will change in the future? Instead of answering the question directly, let's ask ourselves what will stay the same? Users will continue to expect services to get faster and cheaper. Developers will want to iterate quicker and focus their efforts on writing core business logic instead of tinkering with infrastructure. Edge computing will help us evolve the internet to satisfy these requirements. We already use content delivery networks, also known as CDNs, to optimize latencies for applications. The concept is simple. Information can't travel faster than the speed of light. So, to reduce latency, we need to move the data closer to the user. CDNs have several points of presence, also known as POPs, also called edge locations, deployed near concentrated population centers. A CDN will cache a popular content at the edge location based on the customer usage patterns. If a device requests contents cached at the edge, the CDN can serve the data directly without the request having to go to the origin server, which could be thousands of miles away. However, these CDNs have traditionally been very, for the lack of a better word, dumb. Customers are limited to configuring content management policies, that is how and when to expire data from the cache. But a new wave of CDNs led by Cloudflare and Fastly have gone one step further by adding general purpose compute instances at these POPs. So if you are a developer, this means that you can insert any code between the end device and your application server. In 2017, Cloudflare launched Cloudflare Workers, which lets customers run arbitrary code on the Cloudflare platform. Workers use Google's high-performance V8 engine to launch V8 isolates that execute your code. Unlike containers, isolates are fast to spin up, which reduces cold start time, and they are computationally cheap, so you can run thousands of them on a single physical machine. To see workers in action, I will link a YouTube video which shows a developer intercepting calls to his domain and modifying the response based on the URL. Fastly has taken a slightly different approach to serverless computing. Instead of building their compute platform on top of existing technology, they created an optimized WebAssembly compiler and runtime called Lucet. Fastly claims that Lucet can instantiate WebAssembly programs in under 5 microseconds using only a few kilobytes of memory. By comparison, Chromium's V8 engine has a larger memory footprint and can take 5 milliseconds to initialize programs. 
Fastly released Lucet as an open source project under the Bytecode Alliance, so you can go and check out their source code as well. Lucet already seems to be gaining adoption as a way of executing WebAssembly outside a browser environment. Shopify uses it to host partner programs, which they call apps, on top of their infrastructure. Understandably, this saves Shopify partners considerable effort because they don't have to set up their own servers. You can, more, uh, you can read more about this on Shopify's engineering blog. Let's talk about maintaining state. The Achilles heel of serverless computing has been the inability to persist data between requests. In other words, serverless has become synonymous with stateless. Sure, you can connect to a database over the network, but you must reinitialize your database connection every time you bootstrap your function. What is worse, you need to deal with networking latency because the database and the function could be running in completely different data centers. Cloudflare is innovating on the data storage front with a product called Durable Objects. A durable object is attached persistent storage for your serverless function. Just imagine someone plugs a pen drive into your serverless function in the cloud. Each durable object is globally unique and offers transactional guarantees. By co-locating the compute and the data, we significantly cut down on both latencies and the cold start time. As you might imagine, this is well suited for real-time applications like gaming, chat and online collaboration tools. I have attached the link to a sample application that shows how you can use workers and durable objects to build a simple 3D multiplayer game. It's also interesting to note that the serverless plus storage architecture forces us to rethink our application design. In the new paradigm, the data constructs we create closely mirror our business constructs. For example, each durable object can maintain the state of a specific context like a chat or a document. There is no need for a centralized database that hosts data across the entire user base. Best of all, this architecture lets the edge layer transparently migrate our compute instance closer to the user to optimize latency. A natural next step, and one that will pose some exciting challenges, is coordination between edge nodes. Imagine a future where roads have intelligent traffic lights that have sensors to detect traffic flow in real time. These lights could adjust the flow of traffic to avoid congestion or idle wait times. Such a system is most effective if each sensor constantly shares its data with all nearby sensors in the network. But how could we orchestrate such a system? We wouldn't want to send all the raw data back to a central server because that's hundreds of miles away. Instead, we want all the decision making to happen at the edge. Perhaps each node is listening to data updates from all nearby nodes and making decisions independently. Alternatively, a group of nodes might elect a leader that orchestrates traffic between them and leaders might communicate with each other through a similar mechanism. I don't know how we will solve this problem, but I know that this will definitely help improve the traffic situation. Working in the cloud, we have grown accustomed to the idea of discrete geographical regions. Developers have to balance trade-offs like cost and latency to decide where to deploy their applications. Want to expand to a new country? You need to deploy the entire stack to the closest region. A region-aware architecture forces developers to make decisions about geography even if their product doesn't require it. However, the edge inverts this problem. There are no regions insofar as there is just one, Earth. When you deploy your code, it is deployed globally in minutes. The application is fast everywhere from day one and you don't have to pay for unused servers. In the future, developers will have to balance yet another constraint when architecting their applications, politics. Several countries are writing laws governing data flow. 
For example, China has mandated that data of Chinese citizens cannot leave the mainland. Typically, this translates to companies hosting a China stack siloed from the rest of the world. It doesn't require a giant leap of imagination that many other countries may someday follow suit. Of course, it would be cost prohibitive for companies to launch a new stack for each different company. In the new architecture, the onus is on the developer to manage the flow of data in compliance with each country's laws. Counterintuitively, a global architecture helps developers because we can set jurisdictional boundaries at the object level. For instance, Cloudflare allows you to set jurisdictional restriction on durable objects that control where your data is stored. Remarkably, all of this is accomplished by specifying the jurisdictional restriction as a string. Very simple. Now let's talk about how the edge architecture impacts the big data flows. We keep hearing about how much new data we generate each year. But let's think about the directional flow of this data. Most data today flows from inside out, that is, from the cloud to the edge. Billions of people use YouTube, Netflix, Instagram. However, most bits flow to the customer consuming the content. But with the proliferation of IoT devices, wearables, autonomous cars, etc., the flow of data will invert. Eventually, we'll start to see most data flow from the edge to the cloud. But because most data will be machine generated, it won't all be useful. Instead of sending back terabytes of raw data to our application server, it will be much more efficient to process data at the edge and only send post-process data. Not only does this improve latency because we are sending less data across the network, it will also reduce cost because we are using less network bandwidth. As edge computing becomes more mainstream, our devices can become smaller and cheaper. We won't have to ship devices with powerful hardware because the edge can do the, all the heavy lifting. For example, a smart speaker can send raw audio to the edge server which will strip out all unnecessary bytes before sending the byte stream back to the app server. Cloudflare has recently announced a partnership with Nvidia where they plan to introduce AI ML at the edge. For use cases like autonomous driving, the edge creates an optimized network for cars to communicate with each other. Imagine a road with hundreds of vehicles that need to talk to each other. It would be highly inefficient for the data to flow all the way back to a central server only to be received by a vehicle a few feet ahead. With an edge network, data can only travel to the closest edge node, significantly reducing latency. The rise of edge computing and programmable networks does not mean the death of cloud as we know it. There will always be use cases inappropriate for the edge like training complex ML models, storing shared user data, etc. Both paradigms will coexist and work in tandem, much like SQL and NoSQL do today. The future of edge computing looks promising and exciting. Already we are starting to see several startups try to capitalize on this upcoming revolution. While we can imagine all the unique ways edge computing will change the world, I suspect that the reality will be far more surprising. That's it for this week, folks. If you have any experience working with edge computing or if, if you have any ideas about it, I'd love to hear and learn more about it. If this is the first time you stumbled across the It Depends podcast, make sure you hit the like button before you leave so that you can uh, subscribe to the next episodes automatically. Thank you. Have a good weekend.